This podcast is part of the Everyday Heroes Podcast Network, the network for first responders and those who support them. Burr. Very burr. Very burr. It's freezing. Welcome back to Scissors and Scrubs. I'm Nicole. I'm Laura. It's that time of year again, Laura. Your favorite time of year again. It's Olympics. Dun, 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 dun. I so still don't excited. know the music. Winter Olympics episode. But before we get into the Winter Olympics, I am fresh out of having just watched The Kingsman with Rasputin. Oh. Laura, the guy that I thought of you the whole time because they <laughs> tell... They tell it kind of like the way that the lore is, mm-hmm. but they also have it as the English went in to assassinate him. So, okay. people, so they kept that historical mm-hmm. part. The guy that played Rasputin, holy shit, who is stole it? the fucking movie. I don't know who it is. Yeah. He he stole the fucking movie. Wow. And the whole scene that they're trying to kill him, even Garrett, who hates everything, was like, that was the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> fucking loved it i'm a wicked world war one buff so the whole thing's set against the backdrop of world one and it's like they gave you a history lesson with super characters and on you know yeah. on top of it yeah i loved it not huh. your movie i fucking loved it huh. so if you get the chance go see the kingsman rasputin steals the show the guy steals the fucking show right. i loved it loved it loved it yeah garrett's like i said we're going to the movies you're coming and he said uh well, do I have to? I'm like, you have to. And then he watched. <laughs> he doesn't want to do anything. And he doesn't want to do anything. I'm like, he's one. Ga- like, all four of us will go someplace, and he'll be like, "Can I stay home?" No, you're not. We're all going as a family this time. So he went, and then he's like, "No, I want to watch the other ones." I like the other ones. I don't even I, know what you're talking about. The other yeah, ones. Yeah, you do. Um, the kid that played in Rocket Man plays in the first one. He plays in both of them. Uh, Taron, Taron something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the secret spy society. Uh-oh. And he plays like a kid that gets Colin Firth is running it and he gets him into it. This movie is how it was established. Uh-oh. But, oh, fucking stole the show. Okay. Stole it. It was excellent. Well, if you like Rasputin as much as oh, Nicole, I'm obsessed the with the man. I'm freaking obs- I have a lot of obsessions, as you'll hear in a later podcast. Rasputin is so one of the most bizarre characters in history that I cannot get enough of him. And then you put him in live action. Forget it. Forget it. I was done. Done. Loved it. Okay. Back to the Winter Olympics. Yeah. I don't know. The My obsession. Laura's obsession. Mm-hmm. Laura likes to deal in reality. I like to mm-hmm. deal in fantasy. So, Laura, when were the first Winter Olympics? Do you know? I don't know. I thought they were 1924. Ooh, in Chamonix, France. I can't pronounce it because they use letters that make no sense. Yeah, I know. Um, so it was in France. There were nine disciplines in the original Winter Olympics. Mm-hmm. Bobsleigh. We don't call it bobsledding. We call it bobsleigh. Mm-hmm. Curling. I can't believe curling was an original, but I love it. Yeah, I, I literally that. was watching it the other night, again, thinking of you. I really think I can make a curling too. And they get those special shoes, mm-hmm. and they... I just... It's something to watch. I really think I can do it. Oh, it's something to watch. Ice hockey, which they recently just had that high school kid. Did you hear about this? I think it was a high school kid. They skated over his neck. Yes. Oh, yeah. We need to cover ice hockey. Yeah. In its, its perils. Um, Nordic skiing, which included jumping, cross-country, and military skiing. I don't know Ooh, what military skiing Maybe is. with a gun and you shoot things. You're in a hot little uniform going mm-hmm. on the mountain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of hot little uniform, the Northman's coming out with my custom-built man. 
Alexander Skarsgård in it. Oh, so Skarsgård. that was one of the previews. And I looked at Brian. I'm like, oh, and we're not going to see that? And he's like, oh, why? Because your boy's in it? I'm like, my oh, boy's yeah. in it. And he's playing a Viking. <laughs> it don't get hotter than that, dude. Boy. He is playing a Viking. It doesn't get hotter than that. No, she's like, of course he has to fight with no shirt on. I'm like, a da. If you want women to go see it, yeah. yeah. Didn't Vikings always fight with no oh. shirts? If, as, if they were only that hot, please, would all be Nordic. I know. But you know they were not attractive, bad teeth, and they raped and pillaged. Yeah. Okay, so figure skating. And speed skating. Yeah. Since 1924, they have added luge, mm-hmm. short track speed, freestyle skating, skeleton, and snowboarding. To date, four people have died in the Winter Olympics with con- um, and countless other injuries. Mm-hmm. Top eight most dangerous sport events in the Winter Olympics are ski aerials, snowboard cross, multiple participants race downhill through a narrow course. I'm going to go over that. Yep. Mm-hmm. With jumps, berms, and drops. Um, the Sochi Olympics, I don't know if you found this in your research. Apparently, were a fucking disaster. They were Winter Olympics. Mm-hmm. Everybody was getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody was getting mm-hmm. hurt. I think 34% of the participants that were in these snowboard cross things uh, were injured. Mm-hmm. Slope style skiing, slope style snowboarding, ski half pipe, snow half pipe, ski moguls, and bobsleigh. Those are the most dangerous. Mm-hmm. We are going to cover them today because you know how we love yes. to maim, death, and dismemberment. Mm-hmm. Okay. I am going to kick it off with slope style skiing and snowboarding. Okay. Okay. This is all according to Top End Sports. Thank you very much. Okay. Slope style skiing is a winter sport in which athletes on skis ride a course with different types of obstacles. The last thing I need in my way yeah. when I'm skiing is, is an obstacle. obstacle. <laughs> I am my own obstacle. My poles get in my way. I trip over my feet. I don't even use poles. I just trip over everything. Yeah. Like I, my days are coming to an end. I literally just gave away all my stuff. Yeah, I'm not giving it away yet, but it's quickly coming to an it's end. It's not fun for me I anymore. hate to be cold. It's not fun. Um, obstacles include straight rails, rainbow rails, up flat down rail, flat down handrail, and flat down flat handrail. Oh. Don't ask me what they are, but that's what they include. Okay. The athletes are judged on four categories. Spins, flips, grinds, mm-hmm. and grabs. What's a grind? When they, like, they call that, that's what they call when they go going down the rail. Like, mm. on the rail. Nothing better than putting cement with ice mm. in the middle of my Why skis. Not? Okay. The degree of difficulty of which each trick and overall style of the yes. judging categories. So, a few statistics from the British Journal of Sports Medicine study from 2006 to 2009. Of 662 athletes, freestyle skiers, 291 had acute injuries. Ooh. Acute being severe injuries. 93 severe injuries requiring a hospital stay of over 30 days. Wow. Most frequently injured body part was... The head? Close. The leg? The knees. Oh. 77 injuries of the knees. 37 of them severe. Mm. Head was next with 34 injuries. Uh, at the Daring World Ski Championships, 106 injuries occurred. I don't know if that says daring, but... It's some kind of world ski championship. 15 injuries per thousand runs, which actually is a lot because you can do a lot of runs in a very quick time. Okay, so we have Rose Battersby of New Zealand. She suffers a broken back at the Winter X Games in 2013. She crashes in a warm-up session and she's taken to the hospital. She suffered a lumbar spine fracture and was transferred to a hospital in Denver. According to ESPN spokesman... Mm -hmm. 
he is she is moving all of her extremities. At that same competition, the American competitor, Ashley Battersby, which cracks me up. They have the same name. No relation. It's not a common name. No, it's not like Martin. Battersby, yeah. do you know? We right. get two of them in the same goddamn competition. Um, she crashes at the end of her three runs. Her legs buckle on her in her final landing and before she slid off the course and into the barrier fence. Mm-hmm. And she's being evaluated for a knee injury at mm-hmm. Aspen Valley Hospital. My cousin, my girlfriend worked there. Mm-hmm. So... These are horrible, horrible injuries. Um, I, I, as I just said, a lot of the research I was doing, they were talking about the Sochi Olympics, and they said that the Sochi Olympics, like more injuries, they were reevaluating a lot of these sports because it was so bad. I remember though that I think I remember like everything was wicked icy and everything was like steeper than normal, and it was like a, it was a every yeah. course seemed to be harder than yeah. the other yep. ones were. Um, so the slope style skiing and, and snowboarding are the same thing. Um, slope style snowboarding, same thing. You're on a snowboard. It debuted for the first time in 2014 at the Sochi Olympics. And when it debuted, one in every three participants at that Olympics was getting injured doing the snow, uh, slope style snowboarding. Mm-hmm. Most common injury, again, with the snowboarding is knee injuries. I Probably a little bit better because at least your knee, you can... I don't feel like you're strapped in as much on a snowboard as you are on skis. Can you break free? I've never snowboarded. No, you so. can't break free on a snowboard. You you're less strapped in on skis. Oh, you, you skis let go. Yeah. Do snowboards, is it just because you're on one, though, so you fall in a different way? Is it a better fall? Because, you know, when know. skis catch, you, you twist it all over the place. I mean, I guess place. you just fall like on your bum, sale. Yeah. on your face, but, yeah. Face plant. Um, so then you have Mark McMorris. He won a bronze in the 2018 Olympics who had just a year before ruptured his spleen, broke his jaw, left arm, pelvis, mm-hmm. and several ribs after hitting a tree. <laughs> I remember that. That was 11 months after he broke his femur and another snowboarding crash. Mm-hmm. I'm good. I don't need to do any of this. Mm-hmm. Sean White slammed his face on the lip of a half pipe while, uh, while training in New Zealand. So mm-hmm. he's like, they're just like this blood all over the snow. It's These are no joke. And for them to practice... They're taking a lot of injuries, mm-hmm. and they when they practice, they go to these remote locations because these things aren't all over the place. Right, like you have to, so the, that kid Mark Morris was like up in the woods in like the Alps or somewhere, right. crazy, and can't get to a hospital. They took hours to find him with the helicopter. Like it was nuts. Yeah. Like he's it's like, ridiculous. He all right, Laura, take it away because I'm all disjointed. Okay, um, I did snowboard and skiing cross. So cross is a timed event that involves. Waves of competitors simultaneously racing down a course filled with various snowboarding elements like turns, drops, and ramps. So there's more than one person going down at the yes. same time. Oh, you have fine. like mm. um, four to six people going at the same time down all these like Crazy trick shit. things. And it's the fastest person down. Um, You win by finishing first. So like other competitions with the skiing and snowboarding with the ramps and all mm-hmm. that stuff. It's like time. what tricks you did. Yeah. You have a certain amount of time to do it, but it's how we your tricks, how big we your trick. You know, it's, it's based on your tricks. This is who comes in first. Period. Period. So it's a race with tricks in it. Right. Um, it became an Olympic sport in 2006. It tops the Winter Olympics danger list. Snowboarding alone causes a lot of injuries because of all the tricks. Mix it in with a race with multiple people <laughs> doing the same thing. It's insane. There are accidents and collisions that result in serious injuries. The highest cause of injury in cross is the jumps. 
Like all of these, those jumps are nuts. These kids do these flips, twists, McFlurry, whatever. (laughs) McFlurry. And the second highest cause of injury in that race is unintended contact between the snowboarders or skiers. I believe it. Because you're all going over the same thing, but you're trying to do it the fastest. Right. You're trying to get on this jump, but I'm trying to get on this jump, too. These are all like recipes for disaster. Yeah. I don't understand how we think this is a good idea. I know. The, the, there are specific... Like, you cannot get in the way of somebody. If you see someone come up behind you on that thing and they're gaining speed on you, can't get in front of them. Right. Because you're going to kill them yeah, or yourself. You're going to crash them. Yeah. You can't intentionally push them out of the way, but obviously accidents happen when we're all trying to do the same thing at the same time. <laughs> um, an Austrian snowboarder, Marcus Scherer broke his neck during the men's snowboard cross quarterfinals in the 2018 Winter Olympics. He lost vertical control of his board and landed on his back. He fractured his fifth cervical vertebrae. He got back to his feet and finished the race. Oh, my God. He suffered zero neurological impairments. He's very lucky. lucky. Uh, He has also broken five ribs and fractured his shoulders and torn four ligaments on the left side in previous um, crashes. Wow. Um, and that's all I had for injuries for the snowboard mm-hmm. cross. But they there's constantly people going out oh, yeah. from injuries from that. It's very, very dangerous. It's actually going to make it maybe a little more exciting for me to watch this year after doing this, knowing what, what, <laughs> what the happens. dangers are that could happen. So I covered ski moguls. Your knees. You're blowing out your knees. All day moguls. long. That's exactly yeah. all day long. I look at those on a hill. I don't understand the enjoyment. No. Don't get it. Have no need to do it. Literally, I look at skiing now and I think, why? Mm-hmm. If there's a lot of things you're going to hear me say in the next two podcasts. Why? why? Mm-hmm. I don't get it. This is one of them. So it's a freestyle skiing competition consisting of a timed run of free skiing on a steep, heavy, moguled course. You're judged by staying on the fall line, which is the shortest way from the start to finish. Cal- calving, which is using the edge to control the speed in and out of turns through the whole run. So if you're watching their legs like, boom, 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 that's what that is. Um, Absorption and extension, Mm -hmm. how well you sold those more, you know. I just can't. I just, like, why? If you see, like, their legs are boom, boom, boom. And your back isn't killing you from that. Think of your hips. And I'm waiting for their knees to hit their chin. Yes, the tabulum's just hitting, you know. Um, Upper body. Head remain so you have to have your head remain facing downhill. You can't be looking around. Mm-hmm. Your chest has to be straight, and natural, and your hands have to be in front. And a- <laughs> just think of this position. It's so not how I ski. <laughs> my hands are all over the fucking place. My my poles are behind me. My head's everywhere. <laughs> side to side. I'm Such a mess. <laughs> yeah. So uh, hands in front and the body's natural position, and you have to do two jumps that are scored. And you're also scored by speed. Okay. Injuries include, as you said, Laura, Mm -hmm. a repetitive slamming on your knees, Mm. leading to all kinds of knee injuries, from ligament tears to dislocations. ACLs are a, um, like, it's an initiation into the sport. Mm -hmm. Somebody quoted said, you can get your FIS license, you get a national ski team suit and an ACL replacement. (laughs) Like, it's going to happen. Yeah. In 2014... Heidi Klosser, did you do her? No. Okay. Heidi Klosser crashed during the qualification round for the Sochi Olympics. I mean, like, literally, I wish I'd watched them now because fucking everybody got hurt. She broke her leg and is known for her heartbreaking question, am I still an Olympian, that she asked her father in the ambulance. Mm -hmm. Um, Canadian Chris Wong went tumbling down the mountain with his leg hanging like, quote, a wet noodle, 
in the 2007, I'm not even going to pronounce this city, <laughs> Japan trials. He had torn his meniscus, his ACL, his PCL, and his MCL, Aww. which is basically every ligament that keeps your navy stable. Yeah. You can tear an ACL and probably still get around pretty well. You tear all of those, yeah, you fuck. There's no stabilization. There's no stabilization. You have no knee, mm-hmm. which is why his knee was hanging like a wet noodle. Yeah. Though that makes me hungry. It is more rare for a mogul skier to not have an injury than for them to have one. Mm-hmm. So that is mogul skiing, which yeah, I have. Do moguls. I was. I remember taking my kids skiing, and the girls wanted to go down this black diamond, and, and you know, like an idiot. I'm like, oh, from here it looks fine. Holy shit! <laughs> I was on my ass. Yeah. Like between the steepness and these moguls, which I've never done. I don't know who I thought I was. Yeah. I was overly. Overly confident in my skiing abilities. <laughs> as I sat on my ass and made my way down the mountain. I so good. <laughs> I, I do am, like watching them though. I don't mind watching unreal, it because it's it's such a skill, but yeah. it is not for me. Um, okay, I did a, the half pipe. The half pipe is a snow covered sloping channel with a U shaped cross section to perform jumps and tricks. You've all seen it. It looks yeah. like half a tube. Yeah. Um, is there a full pipe? No. <laughs> they are about eleven to twenty two feet high. Um, the Olympic standard height is 22 feet high, um, and the slopes are between 16 and 18 degrees. Um, snowboarders and skiers do the half pipe, so I'm just going over it as yeah. one. Um, snowboarders and skiers drop in. So you're at the top of the half pipe at the top of the hill and you either left or right, whichever side you feel like, yes, whatever you side your routine is, you come off the edge and drop into the pipe and you're going fast like yep. you're dropping in you're dropping from 22 feet high you're moving they soar up the opposite side that they dropped in from and are propelled into the air at the top of the pipe because you have all this mm-hmm. gravity and force coming from I behind think you because they make it look so easy you don't grasp for a second it's how unreal, high it is, is how steep it is yeah. how fast they're going um while they're at one they do flips spins tricks and then they land on that same wall of the pipe and go slightly downhill up the other side of the wall and do it all over again. Or they land on the edge and they do some weird shit, like with their hands and they kick up. And you ever see when they do that? Like they land almost like they skateboarding on the oh, edge. No, they hold the and they bring pipe. the. I thought I've seen snowboarders doing all that. Mm, maybe in the X Games or something, but not. All right. They usually they they have to get height. Um. Um, and then they go up the opposite wall, like I said, and they repeat it. They do this about five to six times on one run. Mm-hmm. Um, some athletes go so fast, like Sean White, they are traveling at two G's. Woo! Yeah. Um, halfpipe snowboarding made its Olympic debut in 1998 and halfpipe skiing in 2014. The record At the for, Sochi Olympics. <laughs> yeah. The record for the highest jump in skiing halfpipe is held by Joffrey Poulet Viard. He jumped 26 feet, three inches. Wow. Off the top of that 22 foot That's high. Wall. Yeah. I thought he was coming um, down 40 feet. Yeah. And the record for snowboarding highest jump is 24 feet, and it's held by Valentino Guselli. And he was 16 at the time. Wow. Yep. Imagine having that record for your name at no. 16. He beat Sean White's record, which was 23 feet. Oh, So wow. he went another foot higher. Um, What's the danger in the half Oh, pipe? I can't imagine, Lord. The speed and the height mixed with the flips and twists on a pipe of snow with an edge is a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. Um. If they lose their place in the trick, if they over-rotate because they're going too fast, if they have too much power and come down and hit the edge of that pipe, the results are catastrophic. 
Um, helmets are required for competition and training on a half pipe. You have got to wear a helmet at all times. Um, Aaron Busk is an Olympian <laughs> half pipe skier. I love the way we say our names. I know. God love Every them. time I listen to podcasts, we're like, um, it sounds like this. <laughs> In a preseason training, he was trying to land a switch double cork 1440. No skier had ever landed it in competition. Switch he was training cork, to land it in Got competition. It. Um, he lifted out of the half pipe, um, flipped twice while spinning. So they do flips and they're spinning. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you get your body to do that, but <laughs> you're flipping and twisting spinning, yeah. at the same time. Um, and it's, he starts to come down. And instead of his he- skis hitting the pipe, his shoulder did. <gasps> he says he, he immediately started screaming. In pain immediately. Usually, like they hit and they kind of, he was screaming immediately. Um, Fuck. And knew that if the pain was that immediately severe, because obviously these happens. guys fall all the time, he might be dying. He was, this was bad. This is it. He thought he was dying. Um, coaches are running to, you know, they had been filming him yeah. for training. They're, they run over to him. He grabs one of their hands. He tells them to tell his fiance and his family that he loves them and that he loved skiing because he thinks, he, I'm dying. Yeah, that's how bad it is. Yeah. Um, he laid there trying to breathe and panicking that he was going to die. The helicopter lands to med flight him out of there. He's freak. He now is completely freaking out. Cause he's like, if I get on there, I'm going to die. They're going to tell me what's wrong and I'm going to die. Wow. Um, little, so he little fatalistic. Yeah. Well, that's, he's, he never had anything this bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're going to do this for yeah. your career, you, you can't assume like you're going to die. The helicopter means to me, yes, somebody's going to save my life. No, I know. But I think. He had hurt himself so many times before, and it, it wasn't like, like this. this. This was just so bad. Um, so they had to forcefully load him onto the helicopter. He was like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't put me on the helicopter. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, Swiss doctors, because he's up in the yeah. Alps somewhere practicing. Swiss doctors found he broke several ribs, bruised his lung, and lacerated his kidney. Oh. They told him he was lucky to be alive, and he was back competing that year. Wow, I thought you were going to tell me, like, you know, he snapped his clavicles and his spine. No, it was, I mean, it broke all of I know this, but considering that's not that bad of an injury, to be honest. I know that sounds terrible, but having seen bad injuries, like, all right, so go ahead. Um, In 2009, Olympic hopeful Kevin Pierce was critically injured during training on the halfpipe. He hit his head on the edge of the halfpipe and was knocked unconscious immediately. He was med flighted to a hospital where doctors place an EVD, which is an external ventricular device, to release fluid built up in his brain. He had been attempting a double cork, a twisting double backflip. He over-rotated on a second flip and hit the edge just above his eye. Oh. Um, so he had a pretty bad brain so injury. My son loves to watch all those like people getting hurt skiing, you know? Oh. I know. Some of it's funny. Some of it's not. Nothing disturbs me more than when you know somebody's knocked unconscious. Yeah. I don't know why that the bothers look me. look of that just... Yeah. They just go limp. Yeah. It disturbs me more than anything. And I'll always be like, just change this. I don't want to watch this anymore. And I just can't imagine being his mother and watching him yeah. go completely limp. No. Um, and then in 2012, Canadian free skier Sarah Burke died nine days after crashing at the bottom of the super pipe during a training run. It was like at a private event. Um, so it wasn't even at like so it wasn't the covered. Olympics or anything no. like that. Like it was just, you know, you know, those, com- she was probably doing it for like an energy drink right. or something like that. Um, it was the same half pipe that Kevin Pierce was injured on. Mm-hmm. She suffered irreversible brain damage due to the lack of oxygen and blood after cardiac arrest. She tore her vertebral artery in the fall, which led to severe bleeding on the brain, causing cardiac arrest. 
Um, they donated her organs after she died. She was a pioneer in her field and lobbied for the super pipe skiing to be part of the Winter Games. And that is the I had been pipe. reading about her as well. And I believe because she was doing a private event, her insurance didn't cover what happened to her. And that they had to come up with money to pay for medical bills and stuff. People oh donated God. money to pay the medical bills because she was doing it outside of the federation that she skied yeah. for. That's a very, that's, that's terrible. Yeah. And again, they're so far out. You, if you tore your vertebral artery, even I mean, if you were was, in the hospital they lobby. They did CPR there. She yeah. was dead. If you were in the hospital lobby, you wouldn't be better yeah. to be out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. All right. So now I'm covering ski aerials. Okay. All right. Skiers ski off a two to four meter jump that propels them up to six meters in the air. I don't know what meters are because we're going to talk about meters in another podcast. It's pretty high. All right. <laughs> we're just going with pretty high. In the air, they perform multiple flips and twists before landing on an inclined hill. Mm -hmm. The score is based on takeoff, jump form, and landing, then degree of difficulty. Mm -hmm. And when you watch them train, they train in the summer. And they train on water slides. Mm -hmm. And they train and then land in pools. Slightly less. Got to be a lot fucking different when you're landing on ice and snow. Um, When you hit water from that high, it I got to tell you, though, like, those ski jumps are something. I know. I was something. So you ever watched? You probably haven't. There is a show out, and it's the guy from Sopranos, Van Zant, is in Lilyhammer. Have you heard of this show? I've heard of it. I never watched it. And he is a New York gangster that is in the Witness Protection Program, and he's in Lilyhammer because that's where the Olympics were. Mm -hmm. And he starts getting into the usual rackets Mm -hmm. in, where is it, Switzerland and Sweden, wherever the fuck it is. So he's terrorizing this one guy and he sends he sends him down to ski jump shoes <laughs> it's the funniest thing and the guy's like you're not gonna do it you're not gonna and he pushes him the guy obviously and he's like this big gangster guy going off this ski jump oh my god i almost wet my pants all right so doing during the Pyeongchang winter olympics mm-hmm. three aerial female competitors landed headfirst <gasps> in the final stages of the competition Fortunately, none were injured, but 49% of the aerial skiers in the Sochi Olympics re- reported injuries. Mm-hmm. These athletes also suffer many ligament issues and joint issues. Yeah. They didn't get into specific people who have been hurt doing these, yeah. but it doesn't take much imagination no, when to you realize land, if they land wrong from that high up in the yeah. air, it's not going to be pretty. No. Okay. Take it again, Sparkles. All right. I have bobsledding. If I was going to do a sport, it'd be fucking bobsledding. But I want to be in the sled. Not one of those, like, the skeleton ones. Yeah. So I did bobsledding. But the injuries I'm going to go over are really for all the sledding events, which is bobsled, luge, and skeleton. They're all sledding events. I'd be a bobsledder all day long. Um. So bobsledding, I mean, I'm sure everybody's seen it. It's like a team. You either have two or four. It just depends on what race you're in. And sure you're in a cool sled, and it has it's like a you know fiberglass frame, and you stand on the outside of it. You're push, at the top push, push, of the push, push, push. They all run and push, yeah. and one jumps in, one jumps in, one jumps in, one jumps in. Um, and then the sled does all the work, doesn't it? Is no, there's a driver. Okay, somebody the is person steering the, the front sled. Is the okay. driver. Um, and they. And then there's, you know, the whole track has turns and dips mm-hmm. and you got to navigate your way through and get down in the fastest time. how much time. fun that would be. I mean, it would be. A really good fun. run. How much yeah. fun that would be. You just, it's really. Dangerous. Really awful. <laughs> um, the most common injury. Go ahead, guess. Getting run over by the sled? 
Nope. Hamstring pull. Most common injury in bobsled, hamstring From pull. the woman in the back or the person in the back From the pushing, yeah. pushing the sled. So yeah, I believe it. get a bobsled going, you need exceptional leg strength. It right. is all in your legs. That's what they have to do. Um, and most athletes focus on the strength of their quadriceps, which is the big, huge muscle in the front of your and leg. And not on the back. But they neglect the hamstring. And the hamstring is what stabilizes the leg and knee and provides the mobility required yeah. to maximize the strength of the quads. You need the, that mobility from your hamstrings to use that strength. Everything you're working on, you got to work the reverse. So if right. you're doing your abs, you got to work in your back. Right. You know, you're doing your biceps, you're going to do your tries. Mm-hmm. Like you have to do the op- the opposing muscles, mm-hmm. or it's going to look weird and right. hurt yourself. Well, and it's not going to be. We should stable. do weightlifting. Yeah, that's a good okay. One. Um, too much strength in the leg, but not enough flexibility leads to hamstring pulls. So you got to work both. Um, but the most devastating injuries. From sleds, which I'm, it's really from all those sleds that I talked about, um, are the brain injuries. Crashes in sledding sports can cause significant head injuries, but the constant shaking and jarring oh, also yep. cause brain injuries and sharing. And stuff, yeah. In the sledding sports, that is called that. sled head. It's a, there's actually a name for it. It's sled head. You should name a beer after it. Yeah. Um, the symptoms are nausea, dizziness, exhaustion, and momentary blackouts after a run. They are constantly, that whole time, you see them yeah. in the thing. Their head is going back and forth the whole time. They are having sharing constantly. Imagine, like, I wonder how that leads to them as far as, like, um, Alzheimer's. I have. Yeah. Okay. We go on. Dementia. So there's a story. I'm going to tell the story about two um, bobsledders from Wyoming. And we'll go into the other, um, the other problem mm-hmm. from it. So Travis Bell was a bobsledder from Wyoming. He was an up-and-coming driver on the U.S. bobsled team when Joe, I'm going to say Sasan, but I'm not really sure, when Joe Sasan started training in 1997. Bell took Sasan under his wing. Um, when Sasan tells him, you know, I want to be a driver someday, like he was up the mm-hmm. back of the sled. He's like, I want to be a driver like you someday. Bell takes him. He's like, he made him sign a contract, like, I will keep my mouth shut and listen to every instruction <laughs> given to me. Um, and in his teachings, you know, he tells him everything he needs to know. Bell tells him. I black out while I'm driving. I don't even remember the last three or four turns that happen when I'm driving these sleds. So he has severe. How does he do it? They all, it's like muscle memory or something. Cause you go down the track so many times, you know, the like turns are at work. I black out right about the Tobin bridge. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, so in 1999, Bell was filming a commercial for the 2002 Olympics for GMC. Cause he's like this big yeah. guy for the bobsled team. Um, there's a camera mounted on his sled that he for this commercial. The camera comes free, goes under his sled. It makes the sled fly up into the air. <gasps> Bell's head crashed into the roof of the track. Bell was 27 at the time, sustained multiple brain bleeds and microscopic tears in his white matter from sharing. Oh. He also had severe brain swelling. He lives. He had to have surgery and yeah, you know all this other stuff. Up, um, he sues GM and the production team that made this thing and he gets enough money. He settles for enough money that he doesn't have to work for a few years. However, he suffers from seizures, migraines, chronic pain for the chronic pain. They prescribe him Vicodin and Oxycontin. So he's an addict. Mm-hmm. He becomes an addict. In 2014, Bell committed suicide. Oh. It was his second attempt. Um, he was 42 years old. His father said, in reality, he died the day of the crash. He never recovered. Oh, that's a horrible mm. story, Laura. Why do I listen to this podcast? I know. Jesus Christ. So then Sasan, this kid who looks up to Bell and, you know, is trained by him, crashes the day after the Super Bowl in 2002. 
He stayed up late. He watched the Super Bowl. You know, they probably party in with his friends. Is that the one the Pats won? I think it is. I would watch it too. I know. Um, he, so he wakes up late because now he's been up till like 4 a.m. He wakes up late. He's like, shit. He rushes to the track. He does not go through the normal steps of checking the sled. You have to check your sled before you go down those hills. But these people kind of take it for granted at the yeah. same time. You know, yeah. you do it every day. Yeah, you don't think it's this at a dangerous high level, thing. So it's like you don't yeah. think you're using a used sled that's piece of shit. Yeah. Um, so he pushes off, doesn't check his sled. Once he's on in the run, he realizes that the steering mechanism is frozen. So oh. he cannot steer this sled. He gets through the eight turns. On the ninth, he loses control. His head hit oh the edge God. of the wall. Like where his his chin hits the edge of the wall and knocks him unconscious. Then the back left of his head hit the wall and it, you know, gives him further damage. The sled flips. It hits him. His head is caught between the sled, which is like 400 pounds, and the wall for hundreds of yards. Oh, my God. He's airlifted to a trauma center, obviously. Um... He, they do a Glasgow coma scale, which tells you like how alert you are. Mm-hmm. 15 is the best us right now. Three is <laughs> no, 12. <laughs> three is you're pretty Out much dead. Um, and he had a five. Oh, man. Um, his family, he was in Switzerland. His family is told, don't, don't bother coming. He's not going to make it. Don't bother Oh, I would coming. go anyway. You're not going to stop me. His Sorry. family scrambles, yeah. gets their passports and goes over. But they were told he's, this isn't survivable. Um, they performed, bro- they performed burr holes to relieve the bread, blood and pressure <laughs> on his brain. So they make like some holes with a drill, mm-hmm. get all that blood out. So there's no pressure sitting on your brain. He's kept in a coma for four days. Week after the crash, he flies back to Salt Lake City, um, on a medical plane, How obviously. 21. Yeah. This is, I mean, these kids are amazing. I know. Um, he's to go to a rehab. He goes to a rehab in Salt Lake City. Um, a week after going to the rehab in Salt Lake City, he goes to the Olympic medal ceremony. Wow. Bell is there. There's like a picture of them hugging because like, he's like, oh my God, you survived, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Because this is before Bell kills himself. Kills himself. Um, two weeks later, he moves home. And over the next year, he slowly progresses. Like he can start Aww. to, you know, write. Then he can start to do this. Then he can yeah. start to drive. Major and- rehab though. Yeah. Major rehab. So uh, within a year, he can drive and pretty much do everything he could pre-crash. After two years... He's cleared to sled again. Nope. 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 I would be like, you're done. You are done. The doctor said, so the doctor's like, I mean, you are clear. Like, there's nothing no. keeping you from doing no, it. I've been given a second chance. He crashes. Like, first time out. His wife's like, that's it. You're done. No yeah. more. Um, And he did not go back to it. He now coaches, like, high school football. Yeah. Yeah. Like, go coach um, this shit. And the doctor said, I I wish I never said he could do. Not that it hurt him any further, but he's like, I should have. I don't know. I didn't know the risks involved in the yeah sport. Um, they think because he did so well because he was only twenty one, and he had not been in sledding for long. He hadn't been doing it for years so and years, so he didn't damage. have all that damage yeah. from just sitting in the sled. Um, there are lots of retired sledders now with um, addiction problems, overdoses, debilitating health problems. And suicides. It's almost like they're fighters. You know how yes. fighters get it's all constant fucked head up injuries. in the head? Yeah. It, oh, a football player's. One suicide victim, um, they did an autopsy in 2020 because they were a retired sledder who killed themselves. Um, and they were found to have CTE. So they think all these sledders have CTE, you know. Yeah. Um, 
And that's bobsledding. It's very, very dangerous. Is it worth the metal? I know. This guy went through this thing. His head stuck between the fucking sled and the wall. And he goes back out. I don't. I don't have another thing. So do you have that guy that the video, you know, the. Yeah, I have the deaths. Oh, that's right. That's right. Sorry. I forgot. I forgot about that one. Okay. So now we're covering a couple of the deaths in the Olympics. I am covering the first Winter Olympic death from theguardian.com. Yeah. Ross. Mm -hmm. Did I write your name? I have it. I have it written down. Give me a second. Because, oh, Ross Mil. That's why, because I can't pronounce it. <laughs> Milne. M I L N E. Milne. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call him Milne. We'll just call him Ross. Yeah. All right. So it's January 25th, 1964. Ross is an Australian alpine skier, and he's part of the small Australian Winter Olympic team, consisting of four male skiers and two female skiers. He was 19 years old, carefree teenager, super competitor, quote, a good quality bloke. Mm -hmm. So they are at the Innsbruck Games in like Finland or Sweden or something like that. Mm -hmm. This country for this 1964 winter had no snow. There's nothing. So they're shipping in the snow. The army trucks are lining the snow. So... Mm -hmm. You have so it's making the snow itself super fast, like it's yeah, icy, icy, it's fast, yeah. and it's snow. There's a snow path for the skiers, and then it's dirt, Nothing. rocks, and trees. Yes. So if you fall off of this path for whatever reason, and if you've ever been skiing and you hit dirt or you hit mm-hmm. grass, your skis go and you go flying. Mm-hmm. All right, it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. So, um so I hate spring skiing. Right. So the Aus- it's in Austria. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. The Austrian newspaper printed an article about the track with the headline, A, tra- a Trapeze Act Without a Net. Mm. The article described how dangerous the course was, how many places the racers are like, the, the course is right against the woods, so there's no protection from the trees. Um, they just threw some sandbags down. And there's spectators as well going down the side. Mm-hmm. So... Ross at eleven thirty, he sets off down the hill at about and about three hundred meters into the um run, he's at the steepest part of the school the course. So when you're skiing it, you don't see this part of the school course till you're on this part mm-hmm. of the course. It's just like all of a sudden there's this hill. He is going probably about forty miles an hour when he hits this part, and he as he's coming over it, there's a group of skis in front of him. Mm-hmm. He swerves to avoid them. Head first into a tree. So another skier walked up to see what happened. And he quotes, I walked up and I had a look at him. And, well, it wasn't too good. He was unconscious, pulled off the mountain and rushed to the hospital. He was dead on arrival. Mm-hmm. After the, and, and it got very controversial after the crash. Because some people were saying, well, he was only 19. He shouldn't have been skiing. Which it's is ridiculous. unheard of now. But in 1964, I guess to be experienced at anything, you had to be over 25. <laughs> um it's a huge debate saying that, you know, he shouldn't have competed. He had no experience. Other people were like, you know, it's this track was extremely unsafe. So this went back and forth. But mm-hmm. ex- right after the crash, they added extra gates to slow the races down. You know, and they threw a couple more sandbags. Oh, yeah, that's going to help me. But he was the first Winter Olympic death in 1964. Okay. And that was with alpine skiing. Okay. So I have two luge deaths. So... I'm I'm going to slaughter these poor people's names. So, <laughs> Kazimierz K. Skrzepecki. 
um, was born November 25th, 1905, and died on January 22nd, 1964. Ooh, that was a bad year. Uh-huh. Luge made its debut as an Olympic sports in at the 1964 Innsbruck Olympics. Um, and it began with a terrible tragedy. Um, I'm going to call him K. Skrzpecki was a 58-year-old competitor. Wow. Yeah. God from, bless, huh? Yeah. Told you they had to be experienced. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was a British slider, and he crashed on a practice run. Oh. He survived the crash, but had st- sustained many fractures, including his skull and pelvis. Oh, that's he, bad. Yeah. And he passed away while in surgery the day after the accident. He had been born in Poland, and he was a former RAF fighter pilot. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. And he didn't even become interested in the sport until much later in life, like in his 50s. Um, And that's really all the information they have on him. But he was the first luge death at the first time it was in the Olympics. And then I have... um, It's never shaken the reputation since. No. I have... um, Oh, my God. These poor names. Um, Nodar Kumaritashvili. We're going to go with that. <laughs> he was from the country, Georgia. That always throws me off. I know. Um, he was born November 25th, 1988. Um, and he was a Georgian luge athlete who suffered a fatal crash during a training run for the 2010 Winter Olympics competition in Whistler, British Columbia, Canada, on the day of the opening ceremony. I remember hearing about this. So I'm sitting there, because I love the Olympics, and I'm sitting there. What It was a... 2010, so Jack was six, and Sam was four. I'm like, come on. Let's watch the Olympics. Go home. Bum, Put the Olympics bum, on. We're bum. sitting on the couch in Malden. Like, I can vividly remember us sitting on the couch watching this. I'm like, ooh, it's the luge. They're warming up. You know, they're practicing for it. And we're sitting there watching it, and I watch this. And I said, oh, my God, they just watched that man die. Like, it, they literally yeah. show him die. They didn't know. They couldn't right. cut away because they didn't know what was happening. We watched this poor man die on national tv it was awful thank um, god they don't remember it and i only remember no, they it because remember. it sparked off a huge debate yeah i remember it vividly yeah. like i, I can see him doing it in my mind i remember the debate it kicked off oh my god so he he first began to participate in the luge when he was 13 oh my god um but he came from a family of seasoned losers i don't care i couldn't put my kid on one of those i know his grandfather had introduced the sport to the country of georgia and both his father and uncle had competed when they were young. And his uncle later served as the head of the Georgian Luge Federation. So he, he didn't have a choice. He was a loser. He didn't have no That's choice. That's what he was. Um, like, imagine you hold the pressure. Like, you have to you have to do that. He was a loser, not a loser. He was no, a loser. loser. <laughs> um, so the venue for the Olympic Luge competition, the Whistler Sliding Center, was designed by Udo Gergel. Um. The final version was produced on October 23rd, 2004. All tracks are different. Mm-hmm. The heights, the dips, the churns, they're all different. Um, the maximum calculated speed for the men's luge was 84.7 miles per hour. Holy on this shit! Which was within normal range. Yes, but you're not even protected. No, these guys, I don't think I... They're, you're on a sled with nothing around you. It's just you on a sled. It's like laying on one of those old on metal your back. Ones. Yeah. Like, you know, and you're holding looking, on, facing down, holding on. That's it. That's all you're on. And you're going 84 miles an hour. So it's like being on the highway with nothing but wheels under you. Yes, on ice. Um, after construction, 
during the track like certification process, they have to go through it, check it, make sure everything's fine. The track produced speeds exceeding the design calculations uh-huh. by at least six miles per hour. So now he's doing over 90. Mm-hmm. Following the Olympic test event in February 2009, the president of the FIL sent a letter to the Olympic Committee expressing surprise that a record speed of 95 miles per hour had been reached. Holy yeah. shit. Concluding that the designer's calculations were incorrect and stating that the high speeds make me worry. Yeah, as they should have. Yeah. Um, there were many concerns brought up about people on this track, people practicing on mm-hmm. this track. They're like, this is way too fast. It's way too fast. Like it was said over and over and over again. They just said, it's a good track. There's nothing wrong with it. Those are always the words before a major tragedy. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, On February 12th, 2010, after 25 previous attempts, 15 of them from the men's start, um, Nader, I'm going to call him, um, was fatally injured in a crash during his final training run after losing control in the last turn of the course. He made it through the whole thing in the last turn. He loses control. The feeling of that must be horrific. He was thrown off of the luge and over the sidewall of the track. And there was steel support beams over That's that side. That's what I remember. So remember we were talking about this yeah. the other night? I'm like, he hit a beam or something, yeah. didn't he? Um, and he struck the unprotected steel support pole at the end of the run. Yeah, that's what I remember. He was traveling 89.2 <gasps> miles per hour at the moment of impact. And Done. he just hit Done. The, He's like laying flat. Like, through the air, he hit that pole, and I was like, oh, my God, they just watched him die. You knew he died the second he hit it. Mm. He was dead the second he hit that. Um, God forgive me, but at least it was quick. Like yeah, he, he didn't know. He it was, was like a quick. second. Yeah, he saw the pole, and that was the last thing I don't saw. even know that he saw the pole. Yeah. I, um, medics were at his side immediately. They did CPR. They did mouth done. to mouth. He's done. Yeah. They airlifted him to a Whistler hospital, but he... 90 miles an hour. He was dead pole. at the course. Yeah. He was dead at the course. Um. It was Luja's first fatality since December 10th, 1975, when an Italian Luja had been killed. Um, he was the fourth athlete to die during preparations for a Winter Olympics. Um, so the footage is televised live. They took it down, like, immediately. I remember you that. Put it, I remember that. They, you couldn't see it. They didn't replay it. But it was out there. It was horrific. It was, it was horrific. horrific. And I can remember being all over the news the debate about how dangerous that sport is, how dangerous ex- skeleton. What is the difference between the skeleton? They're laying on their belly with their face first. Right, so it's same. Luge is on your back. At least your feet are going to hit first. Although yeah. you're just going to shatter your pelvis True. if your feet go into but the But they wall. were talking about how dangerous those sports are. Yeah. And I remember that big debate going back and forth. Yeah. So um, immediately after the race, um, the Olympic Committee said that his death was not ca- caused by an unsafe track. Oh, come on. But as a preventative measure, the walls at the exit of Curve 16 were raised, so they made the walls go up higher, and the ice profile was adjusted, so they, you know, they fixed the ice somehow on it. Um, padding was also added to the exposed metal beams. As they should have been. Near the finish but line. He's still, even padding, no, you, 90 I mean, miles you an hour, it's not going to make a friggin' no. bit of difference. Olympic officials claimed the changes were not for safety reasons, but to accommodate the emotional, emotional state of losers. Um, in addition, the start of the men's luge was moved to the women's starting point, which the women start further down the track. And the women's starting point was moved even further down because it was too fast. Yeah. Um, training runs on the track resumed on February 13th after the changes were made. Three luges um, did not participate in training runs on that day. And they the autopsy came back. You know, obviously the coroner's report mm-hmm. came back on September 16th. 
that year. Severe brain injury. <laughs> well, that's weird. It, the coroner ruled his death an accident brought on by, quote, interaction of factors. <laughs> interaction of him hitting a pole. Yeah. Including the high speed of the track, its technical difficulty, and the athlete's relative unfamiliar unfamiliarity with the track. Um, he said that it was reasonable to assume that Nader was sliding faster than ever before in his life and was attempting to go even faster while simultaneously struggling to learn the intricacies of the track and the dynamics it Can created. Can I just say, why is the coroner making that determination? How was he to make that determination? I think they take Doesn't it, he just determine what actually No, I think they take all that into... I do think they yeah, take we'll all that, that into consideration. Like, new... Like, even if, like... God I would think an investigative committee would have come up with that part of it. Well, I think they give them all that. No, I think a coroner yeah. does look at all that stuff. They have to look into that. They were also saying that um, a lot of people, the father, Noda's father didn't accept the statement that it was his lack of experience because they were saying it's his lack of experience, his lack yeah. of experience because he's been he's been doing it since he was 13. Right. Come on. Georgia doesn't have any loose tracks though. So they have to go to a special, like another country. So they don't get as much as people who live in a country that With, has, has a track. track. Like we, like Canada had that one or, you know, Salt Lake City has one or, you know, like yeah. we have them so they can train more. He couldn't train as much, but the kid was not new to the sport. He no. has been do- doing it. He was raised doing like it. Pet of the luge. Right. The track was dangerous. Yeah. And it was too fast. And they're lucky more people didn't get hurt. Man, a shadow. Yeah, poor guy. But that was, I remember to this day seeing that. And that was just awful. Again, no interest. I don't look at any of these things and thought, I want to do that. No. No. I sit inside where it's warm and think, I'm glad I'm inside. Yeah. No, I don't want to do that. There's a lot of things I look at and think, no desire to do that. Yeah. So these places are built, right? Like mm-hmm. I was saying, like there's not this, there's not a training facility in this country, but there are here. Right. The problem is those training facilities stay open. People think it's fun, like in that lily hammer, to send somebody down a slide. Well, he was doing it, you know. I know. <laughs> As a mob thing. But I have a news story. Oh, Laura mm-hmm. comes up with the added bonus. Mm-hmm. Bump, bump, bump. Yep. I'm going to just read this to you. It's I from um, it. CBSnews.com in 2016. Ooh, recent. From Calgary, Alberta. Police say two young men died and six others were injured after using their personal sled to go down a luge bobsled track after hours at the Canada Olympic Park in Calgary. Shit. Mm -hmm. Calgary police said Saturday that emergency crews received a call from an employee at the Windsport Canada facility in northwest Calgary at 1.30 a.m. after a report of several injured people on a closed track. The inspector says the the party... The part way down the track, the male teenagers hit a large gate that's used to separate oh, the luge and bobsled shit. tracks. Um, Winsport Canada owns and operates Canada Olympic Park, which hosted events during the 1988 Winter Olympics. The CBC reports the pair who died were twin brothers. They died! Both aged 17. Six others were injured in the accident. They were allegedly all on the same sled when it crashed. It's tragic when anybody dies. Mm-hmm. But when I hear of twins dying, mm-hmm. it just sends me over the edge. Mm-hmm. Was it Christmas? Christmas Day. Oh, yeah, the t- accident. There yeah. was an accident, and two brothers, twin brothers, went off and hit a tree, and they both died. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's from the mother's point of view, it could be her only kids, and she's lost her whole yeah. fucking family. I know. Like, it makes me sick to my stomach I when I think it's it's hard enough to lose a child, but to lose two, mm. I, I can't. I know. I, I don't know how I'd do it. But these things are open. They are not for um, us to use. 
can't say that if I was presented with a sled and a track that I wouldn't have attempted to do it. Okay, but these professionals? I would never have expected died. a gate to be on the track. But even if it wasn't a gate. Right, well, I probably would going stop, 90 I'd miles an hour. I'd start from the top. I'd probably, you know, and I'd have my feet dragging like I do, but... You don't break them I up. know, but I'm just saying, like, I can't say I wouldn't be that stupid 17-year-old. It's not a... It's... I know, I know, I know, but I would be that stupid 17-year-old, but I would never have expected, and this is why the stupid 17-year-olds, I would never have expected a gate. I wonder if the gate wasn't there, if they would have survived. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they would have been injured. But they had to hit that gate, doing 70 miles an hour. Yeah. I mean, we talk about it all the time, sledding and fucking Everett. Everett. This I don't know how we all Everett. didn't die of head injuries. Glendale Park Hill. I'll never forget it. It's now the site of the high school, so you can't use this hill, but this hill was high i mean it was like climbing a mountain to get to the and it top was of it all rocks it was all rocks summer. so one side there were the stairs that had a rock wall mm-hmm. going down and then at the bottom of it so you would go to a little plateau and shoom, go back down the rest right into the back fence gate of the oh, baseball, baseball field. field so you had to you had to slide with your legs in front of you and keep your knees to the side so, so you bounce. could bounce off the the fence and not take a knee to the face and i remember i'm i was a newly minted emt and I, that's how old i was still sledding this mm-hmm. hill because i fucking loved it and a young girl she must have been 12 head first into the stone oh wall. god she was alert her father was a fucking mess yeah and i remember saying to her she's back but we're like we were waiting for the ambulance she wasn't even backboarded we, she was laying there we're like you can't move my mm-hmm. brother's there of course he's gonna save mm-hmm. the day and i remember just saying to her I know you're scared, but your father can't even speak. You have to tell your father you're okay. Yeah. Even if you're not, right. just lie to him and tell him you're okay. And she's no. like, all right. And her father came home. She's like, daddy, I'm all right. I'm, dad, I'm fine. And you can visibly see him yeah. calm down. I'm like, just lie to him and tell him you're okay because he, we need information from him. Right. And he can't speak. Right. <laughs> Poor guy. I mean, there was blood all over. Hope you're all right. You're probably uh, 40 years old now, but I hope you're all right. <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, we didn't care. No, that was nuts. But the, do that drink different than an Olympic luge track. True, but you were going head first into a well, freaking I mean, You should have gone feet first. I mean, we just we knew we knew the gate was there. You don't take, you don't go down head first to Glendale Park. You're going to take fun. a rock to the forehead before you even get to the fence. <laughs> so oh much God. All right, so uh, that being said, yeah. tuck in to the Winter Olympics, get your nice lap blanket, put the fire on, Can't get your wait. hot chocolate. Get ready, mm-hmm. and let's see how many injuries we count in this Olympics. When Hopefully you're watching none. them on that half pipe, and they're 30 feet in the fucking air, yep. you're going to be like, don't hit your head, don't hit your head, don't, don't hit, hit your head. chin, don't hit your shoulder. Oh. Yes, yeah. and the moguls, and you can just think those Yeah, when you see one be... of the knee blows, because yeah. one of the knees will blow. Yeah, they're not going to be walking by the time they're 50. They're no, oh, God, no. Next week, we're going to continue with our winter theme, and we're going on some expeditions. So, yeah, we're going to go on some expeditions. Some come back alive. Some do not. Mm-hmm. And um, there's going to be some interesting cuisines. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's going to be freezing cold. It's going to be very cold. Freezing cold. I get cold thinking about it. Yeah. And again, there's going to be instances where I'm going to say, no desire. Absolutely mm. no desire. I, the whole story, I have zero desire to do. Yep. Zero. <laughs> so enjoy and mm-hmm. settle in for our winter episodes. And uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye. Bye. Like, subscribe, rate, and review. The Scissors and Scrubs podcast on whatever podcast app you listen to us on. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Scissors and Scrubs. And email us 
any of your stories or thoughts to scissorsandscrubs at gmail.com.